0: Hi, I'm John Marr, and today I'm here with Darren Ambler, Managing Director for Insight's Employee Benefits Practice, and today we're talking about the impact of the Affordable Care Act. Welcome, Darren. Thank you. So Darren, the ACA was signed into law in March of 2010. What are the largest impacts that you've seen?
1: I really look at this as kind of a story of the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, It all depends on perspective, but you know, the really great thing is we've dramatically reduced the number of uninsured Americans. Uh, about 90% of Americans now have insurance, and here in Massachusetts, it's actually about 97%, which is, you could consider that fully insured mm-hmm. because uh, you're always going to have some people in transition, uh, so 97% to some degree is really about 100%. We also have better access to coverage for individuals and subsidies for that coverage. Uh, Before the ACA, the access to coverage was difficult. You had to go direct to the insurer. Now we have marketplaces so that employee, individuals can go to those locations and actually sign up for insurance either online, uh, in person at different locations or over the phone. We also see lower costs for individuals uh, who don't have employer coverage uh, before the cost for that coverage was quite high. When you get into kind of the bad uh really there was no direct impact on healthcare costs the actual cost of care right it just Uh, seems
0: to keep going up and it doesn't it doesn't seem to affect that very much
1: exactly the ACA was really about access to care uh, and insurance so it it didn't directly impact the actual healthcare costs Uh, the other things you when you really get into the ugly is from the employer perspective Uh, the increase in the insurance costs for employers, the significant new compliance burdens for them, and then ongoing changes to plans uh, that they have to deal with.
0: Okay, so why
1: has it taken so long to implement all of the pieces? It certainly had a rocky start. Uh, There is just so much to it, and it still faces some challenges, but a lot of it has actually been implemented you know, you really had significant new areas of oversight for Health and Human Services, Center for Medicare, Medicaid Services, and certainly the IRS as well. Uh, this is all new to them, so it took a lot of time for that to get implemented. We saw challenges brought before the Supreme Court. I think most of that is behind us at this point. And the ACA has stood up quite well to those challenges. Right. We've seen the building of the federal marketplace, uh, some call it the exchange, but really they've gone with that marketplace name. And then certainly here in Massachusetts, we've had the state marketplace. There are about uh, 15 to 20 states that have their own state marketplaces. Massachusetts certainly had it longer due to mass health care reform, but those took time to build out. Can you
0: explain what the marketplace is really briefly?
1: That's really for um, mainly for individuals to go and purchase insurance for themselves, but it does also have an outlet for small businesses to go and purchase insurance, but it's much like they would purchase insurance through directly through insurers. Uh, so there's not... a a whole lot of difference between uh, the direct model and the exchange model for small businesses, but it is uh, much easier for individuals to buy insurance that way. Okay. What else? Um, It's the implementation of market reforms uh, throughout plans, uh, the creation of regulations uh, for the insurers and the employer requirements, really, you know, you had a law, but then you had to create all these regulations to manage that law and to manage all the pieces of it and then it was also a lot of the vendor partners in the marketplace had to build tools to support this us as a brokerage had to do that uh, payroll vendors are very important pieces in this and then you also have this whole new cottage industry of third-party software out there to help employers with these programs
0: right okay so you, you mentioned the term market reforms what are market reforms
1: so the market reforms are a lot of the things that were put in place to help individuals with access to better care and better pricing. You know, we've heard about zero dollar wellness. We now have no co-pays and no costs associated with our annual preventative care. Uh, And that's across the board for both individuals as well as employer-based insurance plans. One of the great things was the elimination of pre-existing condition limitations. Uh, Previously, a lot of states had rules that allowed insurers to either deny coverage, increase costs, or exclude certain types of care for people with a pre-existing condition We no longer have that. And that's a great thing.
0: Right. Because everybody should
1: be able to get insured even if they have a condition that's already known. Absolutely. Because before they just fell on the state burden. right? Uh, So that has changed. Okay. Uh, We've eliminated the lifetime limits. Um, Some plans actually limited how much care they could possibly provide for you. And then you're out of pocket after that. Uh, And that was very difficult for people with significant illnesses. And uh, just caps on out-of-pocket costs on an annual basis as well were also put in place to limit people's expenses, so that was a great thing. We also have the minimum essential coverage standard. So every plan has to have at least a certain amount of coverage to even qualify as a credible plan. Uh, And that's very important because before you saw plans that really left people with significant financial burdens because they really weren't true insurance. Okay. And then the medical loss ratio requirements, which were really a cap on profitability for insurers. They made sure that uh, employer-based insurance programs and individual plans didn't have too much profit built into the rates, and uh, those were implemented as well.
0: Okay. So what are some of the biggest
1: challenges then for employers? Yeah, this is where we really get into the the ugly part Mm. from the employer perspective. It has increased costs for employers. Don't really want to put a number on it because there are so many numbers out there, percentage of increase or actual dollars increase. If you Google it, you'll see a hundred different numbers out there, but they all agree that the costs have increased. Uh, Some of the reasons for that, you have increased enrollment now. Because of the individual mandate, everybody has to have insurance. Uh, We have seen employers with increases in enrollment. Less so here in Mass because we had Massachusetts because we had healthcare reform prior, mm-hmm. uh, but in other states we saw significant increases in enrollment for employer groups.
0: Right, so a company would have a certain percentage of their employers that just opted not to have insurance. I Correct. mean their employees yeah. uh, not to have insurance, and and that reduce their costs, now all of their employees have to get insurance and and that's going to
1: increase their costs. Exactly. Quite often they were your uh, younger employees, which you generally want to have on your plan because they help to reduce the average age of the participation, Mm. which reduces the average cost of the plan. Interesting. Yeah. So bringing them on, it it did increase the overall cost for employer, but to some degree there there can be a positive impact to the rate.
0: Okay. What else?
1: Uh, we also saw the, um, the market reforms put in, those all come at a cost. When you add these features to health plans, uh, they increase risk for insurers, they increase cost of claims for insurers, therefore you're going to see it in your premiums. Okay. Um, so that's an increased cost. And then we also have assessments and taxes the health industry tax, also known as the HIT tax, the reinsurance fees, the PCORI fees. And then in the future, we'll have the Cadillac tax, possibly. We'll see what that how that turns out. And what is that? Uh, that's an excise tax on high cost health plans. Okay. Uh, so if your plan is deemed to be very expensive, uh, then you'll pay an excise tax on the amount over a certain threshold that's adjusted by the federal government each year.
0: Okay, interesting. What he about also, uh the uh, sh- like sort of shared responsibility of of um,
1: employers? Yeah, so this presents the biggest compliance burden for employers because it's something nobody has ever done before. The federal government never did this before, so they had to invent these processes for the employer share responsibility, also known as the pay or play rule, mm-hmm. but You know, really, we have to measure the employer's ability to offer coverage to full-time employees. We changed the definition, or we created a definition of full-time employees at 30 hours, where most employers considered full-time at 32, 35, or even 40 hours. So we reduce that threshold, and we have to make sure we have that offer of coverage now and prove that offer of coverage. We also have to prove that the, the coverage is affordable and the federal government sets these affordability standards each year now that we must meet mm. uh, with the plans. And then of course they do have to meet minimum coverage standards which is probably the easiest part because most insurers are no longer offering coverage that doesn't meet those standards to begin with. So that part's easy. But the record keeping for making sure that you made the offer of coverage and that your plan is affordable is very challenging. Mm. and the way it was prescribed that it had to be done was something that was never done, and it's in a way that employers don't necessarily keep records. So that's really where that third-party software industry has really come about. Payroll vendors and and outside vendors have brought in tools that employers don't necessarily want to invest in, but they're left without a choice because it's so difficult to do uh, without the help of these programs. Mm -hmm. And after employers get through the tracking and record keeping process, They also have to produce these 1094 and 1095 forms For each employee has to receive a 1095. And that's a whole new challenge for employers. Again, these software solutions have come in to help with that, Uh, but there are a lot of codes that employers need to use to fill out these correctly, and they're challenging uh, to know the right way to do it. So the IRS created a correction process, which employers have to follow and go through this correction process to make sure that after they've already submitted their forms, they have the opportunity to do this and make those corrections, and if they don't, they could face further penalties. Um, So that's a big challenge for employers. And then the other piece that goes with that is that employers could receive a marketplace notice, which is a notification from the state or the federal marketplace that they have an employee who went to that marketplace, received a plan, and received a subsidy to help them purchase that plan. If the employer can't prove that that plan that they offered to that employee was offered, it was affordable and it met minimum credible coverage standards, then they're gonna face an assessment for that. And it's a pretty big number that they face for that. Mm. On top of that, you have other compliance burdens. Plan documentation is now more important than ever. And if employers haven't updated their plans to comply with the ACA, they really need to make sure that they update their plan document as soon as possible. And then employers that try and be the good guy uh you've got to make sure that your workplace wellness programs actually comply uh they brought in whole a whole list of new guidelines that make sure that employers that offer a workplace wellness program do it in a manner that protects the employee's privacy it doesn't violate the americans with disabilities act Mm. and it doesn't violate the genetic information non-discrimination act also known as gina Uh, the rules that they put in place make sure that employers are operating in a manner that doesn 't discriminate against these employees and doesn 't use their information against them a lot of it is common sense, but you 've got to follow it you 've got to document it properly
0: right so things like giving incentives or something like that if employees uh, you know have, have meet certain uh, wellness requirements or something like that for the company that that 's great It sounds good on the surface of things because you know you, you want to get your employees to be healthy. But, you know, there's some people who have disabilities and who just can't participate in some of those programs, and that that could be an issue for
1: them. Absolutely. Trying to do the right thing sometimes, if you're not doing it the right way, can actually get you in a lot more trouble than not doing anything at all. Right. So I would never encourage an employer not to do these things, but you've got to follow the right steps. As I said, a lot of it's common sense, but a lot of it needs to be documented properly and just done right from the start. Okay. So we're in the midst of a presidential election here now
0: in 2016. And so what types of changes to the ACA, if any, do you think that we'll see in the future?
1: Well, when I was about 10 years old, I think I got uh, my magic eight ball around (laughs) that age. And I still keep that, and I keep it in the office. So whenever a question about the ACA in the future, I just use that Magic 8-Ball to come up with the answer. Give because, it a shake. Yeah, because the guess that comes from that Magic 8-Ball is as good as any. We're really in a state of flux. We really won't know what's going to happen with the Affordable Care Act until we have a new president and what that president's thoughts are about it. But also, we're going to have new legislators. And they'll certainly have a say in that. So it's um i don't expect a huge amount of changes but we don't know what the changes will be
0: right can you just talk a little bit for a minute uh about some of the ways that insight you know can can help employers um get through what sounds like an awful lot of regulations and and all of the the paperwork and making sure that like you said that they're doing the right thing but they're doing
1: it in in the right way how does how does insight help with that of course Uh, The first thing that we look at is, what are the responsibilities for that employer? Because they do differ based on the size of the employer. Certainly for employers with over 100 employees, the burdens are different than one with only 10 employees. So we look at, okay, what are the responsibilities that you need to comply with? And then we build a plan around that, a calendar of actions to take care of the biggest things are certainly around the reporting process making sure that that employer has access to the right record keeping tools and the right tools to deliver the forms on time uh, and make the corrections available if they receive a marketplace notice how are we going to help them appeal that Uh, that plan has to also be in place and then the communication process is very important as i said plan documentation and related materials have to be updated So we work with the employer to make sure that those materials are up to date, they contain all the required language, and that they're delivered at the right time to the employees.
0: All right, well, that's great information. Darren, thanks again for speaking with me today. Thank you. And for more information, visit insightperformance.com or call 781-326-8201.